This episode is sponsored by Chris and Tiana, taking the guesswork out of launching your podcast. Welcome to the Unconditionally Worthy Podcast. In this podcast, I will guide you on your journey to connect with the true source of your self-worth. Each week, we'll discuss barriers to unconditional self-worth, the connection between self-worth and relationships, self-worth practices you can apply to your life, and how to use self-worth as a foundation for living courageously. I'm your host, Dr. Adia Gooden, a licensed clinical psychologist, dance enthusiast, and a dark chocolate lover who believes deeply that you are worthy unconditionally. Welcome to another episode of the Unconditionally Worthy podcast. I'm excited and happy and grateful as always to have you here and listening. And we have an amazing episode for you today. I am talking with Akine and she is the head of an organization that's focused on iconic womanhood. Um, Akine Onu is, she's just a powerful person. You know, when you meet someone and they're just sort of oozing with wisdom and grace. Well, I've only met her virtually and that is how I felt. She shares so much insight and wisdom. She talks honestly about her own journey. She talks about what iconic womanhood means to her and it's really powerful. And how think it, we also think and talk about how you step into the power of womanhood, the power of femininity, and some of the challenges that you may experience along the way, as well as ways to overcome them, to get in touch with yourself, to live an authentic life. So this is just an incredible conversation. I know that I feel really um, honored to have been able to talk with Ekene and um, learn from her because she really is a wonderful teacher. So I want you to tune in. You're going to really hear a lot that is going to uplift you and inspire you. And I think going to make you rethink how you can claim the power of the femininity that you have in you. So tune in and listen and uh, know that this isn't just an episode for women, right? Certainly we center women in this episode. And if you're not a woman, I think you'll also gain a lot from it. So let's get into it. So I'm very happy to welcome Ekene Onu on the podcast today. She is a mindset and transformational coach and an expert on feminine leadership and power. And following a career of two decades in the world of pharmacy, she reinvented herself and underwent a personal revolution to reclaim her feminine power and choose to create a life of passion and purpose. To begin a career as a transformational coach, she received her training from several notable institutions such as Georgetown University and the Institute of Social and Emotional Intelligence. Today, she is the chief principal of Refresh with Ekene LLC, a coaching and consulting company and the founder of the iconic womanhood brand. Through these, she has built a community of intentional women who live soulful and purposeful lives. She also leads workshops and retreats globally and has been featured in various media publications for television and magazines in both the U.S. and Nigeria. So, Ekene, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I so appreciate that. And I love the name of your podcast, Unconditionally Worthy. So thank you for having me here. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'd love to start our conversation the way I always start conversations with guests on the podcast, which is by asking you to share a bit about your own self-worth journey. Hmm. It's a great question. I think um, that's a journey that we're always on, right? Um, I think it's until the day we, we leave this earth, we are becoming aware of who we are, aware of our value and our worth. And then that gives us the impetus and the energy to do more and more of God's work on this mm. earth. So my, I would say I was born in the U.S., but um, I left the U.S. when I was about seven and uh, moved back to Nigeria. And that's where my formative years were spent. And so I have, I'm very informed by our culture, our traditions, mm. our way of experiencing life. 
And, you know, I was a good Nigerian girl. I'm the firstborn. Mm. I'm the first daughter and I'm Igbo. And in our culture, they call first daughters Ada. And the Ada, that title comes with a lot of responsibility. Mm. And, and, and the responsibility, and it's, it's sort of a way we look at women too, is this idea that in order for you to be good or worthy or valuable, it is really about you doing for everyone else. So the Ada, mm. especially, I, I heard this all through my life. You know, you're the Ada. You know, you're there. If you're sad, come on. You, what are your younger ones going to say? You just suck mm. it up. You know, come to the kitchen. Everybody else is playing and I want to play too because mm. I'm a, a kid. But no, you know, you're the Ada. You're only eight years old, but it's mm. your job to come and do the work. And, and so over time, you learn through that, you know, programming that your value is in your service to others. And your value isn't about how other people think you are adding to them, right? Mm -hmm. And you learn to put your needs, your desires, your hopes, and even your self-image on the back burner Mm -hmm. and look to others to define that for you. Mm. And I remember when I came back to the U.S., I was 16, really, first time ever. And it's, it's only recently that I started to really process the, while well, it was a wonderful, my parents were trying to do the best they could for me, right? They sent me here for college. We graduate college a lot younger. Mm. Uh, my parents lived in Nigeria. My whole family lived there. I came alone and that was, oh, the, wow. that was what people did, right? Mm. It was unusual. I had a lot of friends. In fact, it was a privilege mm. to be able to go abroad for your mm-hmm. university education. And, but I don't, I never really thought about the trauma. Mm. that was associated with that because now mm-hmm. I am the mother of a, my last is 16 and I just look at this baby right mm. and I'm like I can't imagine her going off to another country that she has never I mean I was born here but I had very few memories yeah. I only remembered peanut butter right and a few <laughs> little <laughs> weird things right? I had very few memories like you know the whopper but yeah. um all my memories food centric. Anyway, let's get back to this. <laughs> but um, you know, you come and it was so foreign to me. Mm. And I was sixteen. I was a baby. Yeah. And you're trying to then also figure out who you are. As now you're now adding other things to the mix, right? So first, you're a girl. You're trying to figure out yourself as a girl, and then mm-hmm. you're. Uh, an Igbo girl. And then now you come to the US where you discover you're black, mm-hmm. right? And then mm-hmm. what that means for this culture, mm-hmm. right? And not, not just that you're black, you're still black and African. So there's mm-hmm. a, a secondary layer. So you are, you're dealing with people who look at you strange because you're African, who are black like you too, by the mm-hmm. way, and white, a same. But then you're dealing with this other race layer and you're still trying to navigate, trying to get through school, uh, and I grew up, you know, Nigerians are known for being education focused, right? Mm-hmm. And, and we are, you know, so I grew up in a, in a community, everyone around me, well, what, you know, everyone wants to go to the Ivy League and, you know, academic, mm-hmm. you know, excellence was very important to us. And we use that to measure ourselves again, as far as worth. And in fact, when I decided to study pharmacy, it wasn't even so much that I decided to study pharmacy. I wanted to study creative writing. Mm. But, um, and it's funny, let me tell you, my mom, so my mom had, my mom, when I had a conversation with her about what I wanted to study, she said, no, you cannot, mm. you can either be a doctor, you can be a lawyer, you can be an engineer, or you can be a pharmacist, pick one. Mm. Right. And I was recently having, I've told this story multiple times. And, um, it's funny. The other day I was on Instagram live and my mother has now joined Instagram. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> she was watching. And so after I got off live, she sent me a text and she said, I'm sorry I gave you that advice. That was the mm. best advice I knew how to give then. And I told her, mom, I appreciate you. And I appreciate you, you did the best you knew how to do. And I appreciate you and I love you. So she was coming mm. from a place of wanting me to be okay and yeah. secure. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was a practical choice. Yep. Right. But, um, and so for me, when I looked at all of those, I chose pharmacy because I didn't want to be in medical school forever. Mm-hmm. I didn't enjoy engineering, right? And I didn't want to do law. So I picked pharmacy. 
it felt like the lesser of all the evils. Mm -hmm. And I did it. And my intention was initially that I would do it to just please everyone. And then when I graduated, I would then figure out my life. Mm -hmm. And um, I ended up going to work and staying as a pharmacist for almost 18 years. Now, I bring this story to say it never felt like me. Mm. And in fact, most for a lot of my friends group at the time, it was so bizarre to them, right? It's like, mm. how are you doing this, right? So I it, it added to my sense of um, a lack of self-worth because mm. I'm not myself. I didn't even, mm. and I started to get lost more and more and more. As the years went on, I became more and more lost and unsure mm. of who I was. You know, like, you know, when you're a child, when you're a girl, you have more clarity, you have a bit of clarity. Mm-hmm. I think babies are born with the most clarity because they mm-hmm. living life. Like I want a hug. I want yeah. chocolate. They have certainty mm-hmm. in their desires mm-hmm. and they're unapologetic about it. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to me when I refer back to the scripture that says that we need to be like children to access the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. But children are expressive. They are clear. They, you know, they're not masking. They're not yeah. carrying the burdens of your problems. Mm-hmm. This is what I want. This is who I am. I mm-hmm. want to twirl today. Mm-hmm. I want to be a ballerina in the middle of the subway. That's uh-huh. what I'm going to do. Right. Mm-hmm. They are present. But yes. for us, we start contorting ourselves and distorting mm-hmm. ourselves. And, and over time, I had done all of that. Mm-hmm. And I found myself lost. Mm-hmm. Even though on paper, I looked the part. Mm-hmm. Right. On paper, I was a pharmacist. I was earning this coveted six-figure salary that mm-hmm. developed, right? I owned a home. I was married. I was a mother. I had ticked all the boxes. Mm-hmm. But I was so disconnected from who mm-hmm. I was in my soul. And I felt really lost. And it was, mm-hmm. equal, it was very painful as well uh, because, and I find this with a lot of women that I connect with. And, and often when I'll go into a large um an organization or I'll speak and I'll share usually. So I I do quite a bit of speaking, but a lot of times when I'm done speaking, there's a hush that falls Mm. over the room because your soul work isn't that rah-rah. It's Mm. this awareness that goodness is the awakening. Mm. It's dawn, right? Mm -hmm. And initially I was like, why? When other people speak, it's like, (laughs) yay. (laughs) When I come, people are like, but then after they'll come to me and say, you spoke to my soul and mm. oh my God, I'll get messages and letters. And sometimes there's grief that accompanies the sense of possibility that someone like myself will wake up in you because you mm. realize you spent so much time, money and effort creating a life mm-hmm. that you don't want to live. Mm. That is really powerful. That is really powerful. I mean, so much of your story, I think there are so many people who will relate to it, right? Being the good daughter, being the good child, taking care of everyone else and sort of modeling your life after what your parents wanted for you. And very, as you said, well-intended because they wanted you to be safe. They wanted you to be secure and they thought that would make you happy. And so you spend decades pursuing something and then wake up and look around and say, well, I have all of the things that I strive for, but I'm not, I don't feel like myself. It doesn't feel like me. There's a disconnect. There's, there's something missing. There's something off. Absolutely. That, and that owning that, right? Because I think that feeling, like you said, is very common. Mm -hmm. It's what we do with the feeling that matters, right? So most people medicate the feeling away. Mm. In one way or another, mm-hmm. right? So I I was medicating that feeling at some point because I was eating my feelings, right? Mm. So I, you know, and it, I'm, I was fortunate because it started to show on my body. Mm. My dissatisfaction became like a an extra body, like extra body weight. Mm. I literally was carrying the weight mm. of my unfulfilled promise, right? Mm. So I had that. But a lot of other people don't do that, right? Some people consume it away, like buy it away. So they're mm-hmm. wearing every new it bag. I was just talking about mm. that we have a desire for significance in our bodies, a desire mm. for significance in our souls that is God given. Because 
as we become ourselves, so right now I feel like I'm walking in that right now, there is such a sense of yes, and I'm here and I'm doing what I'm called to do that feeds you, mm-hmm. right? I'm significant. But when you don't have that divine significance, you start looking for false significance, mm. which is why we are so caught up in consumerism. Mm. Like, I want to get the it back because I want people to know the status. I mm. want to be seen as significant, but it's so fleeting because just as soon as you get it, there's another one. Just as mm. soon as you get you can get even a Bentley. There's another one. There's a Phantom. Mm-hmm. There's another one. Then it's like the, the bar keeps getting raised. Like now it's yeah. a private garden. Now it's this. And you keep looking for these things that are meant to enhance the quality of your life. Nothing's wrong with those things. Right. But they cannot take the place of the significance of your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so people have that feeling. And so mm-hmm. for me, my journey to self-worth was coming to a place where I was able to own it and say, mm. yeah, I have made some choices that don't work for me. And I'm mm-hmm. going to start to tear it down brick by brick. And it was terrifying, mm. but it was painful. But there's a wonderful quote that says, and the day came, it's by Aninin, and the day came that the pain of remaining in the bud was mm. more than the pain that it took to blossom. Mm, it's beautiful. I would say, right? Mm-hmm. And that mm. pain, so there is pain, you got to choose it. And mm-hmm. I started to deconstruct things and I left pharmacy without clarity of a plan. I don't recommend it. It always sounds sexy <laughs> when you hear someone saying it. <laughs> but let me tell you, it was rough for a second there, mm. right? But I did leave and, and found the courage to begin to remap out my life. Mm. And, and to walk this new journey, even when everyone around me thought I was crazy doing it. And now mm. this is, that was right around that transformational, you know, for me, my own journey around 20, 2011. Okay. And I started to really do my own self-work. My own journey started to change, right? And a lot of things, a mm. lot of things changed as a result. And that's another thing because a lot of people, women especially, who are relational, who, you know, we crave stability and security. Mm-hmm. And so even when it's not perfect, even when it's not like mm-hmm. great, that whole idea of the devil, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. listen, I at least know this. There's stability, even in this discomfort, there's mm-hmm. security, even in this scratchy blanket that I'm holding <laughs> over myself, right? <laughs> I'm not sure that I want to let it go. This bird in the hand that's pecking my hand to death right? Mm-hmm. It might still be better than these mm-hmm. two, whatever your thing is out there in the bush. And so mm-hmm. it is hard, right? And because there's, with every opportunity, with every gain, there's a loss. Mm-hmm. And so as I became more of myself and became aware of my strengths, my weaknesses too, aware of the, the, the things that I was doing, because I, I say to people, I used to be toxic. You know, it's mm. like you're being toxic. I used to be toxic. I, I would say things that came out of a pain inside of me. You know, the Bible says from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so when you see people who say things, sometimes these just nice, nasty or something, mm. it's because there's a woundedness inside. Mm. And I had a woundedness inside of me. Mm. And so as I began to unpack and, and understand myself and heal and grow, I changed. Mm. I set new boundaries. I was also, so it was, I was simultaneously toxic. I was simultaneously a a people pleaser. I was, you know, we do all these things, the matter, you're the one, the Martha and the Mary, you're the one doing everything. And then you're mad at everyone because you're doing everything. Mm -hmm. And you you think that gives you license to talk to people any kind of way because Mm -hmm. you are unhappy with your life. I sacrificed everything for you. And how dare Mm -hmm. you? That Mm -hmm. woman that's what comes out of living this unfulfilled life. And so mm. I had to begin to also recognize that I had created scaffolding around a life that didn't work. And so this is no longer going to work for mm. the life that I truly desire to live. And this is not about selfishness. This is about self-reclaiming. Mm. Right? And so in my reclaiming, there was loss. In my reclaiming, there was grief. And so I, I, my job, I didn't, 
have a job anymore, right? Not a pharmacist. Uh, over the years, many things have changed. The community that I had at the time, mm. some of those people no longer are part of my life in that yeah. way. I love them all, but they're just no longer part of my life. You know, even I'm no longer married, which mm. is another thing because people, you join in with people based on, you know, if you are in alignment with someone who is in alignment with your brokenness, yep. guess what? When you start That's to heal, work. that alignment will no longer be there, mm-hmm. right? So there are challenges, but at the same time, it is one of the richest journeys of my life mm. because on a practical, like most basic tangible level, right? That what I was earning as a pharmacist, I far exceed that, mm. far, far exceed that now, right? And I have a staff of four uh, people. Some of the women on my team are breadwinners. And mm. so I'm able to support by doing the work that I'm doing. Mm. They can support their families, right? And everyone works remotely. So they get to create a, work, a, a schedule that makes sense for them as mothers, right? I am able to impact literally when I think about the the footprint that I have and that my clients are in all different countries and continents and Mm. doing all sorts of amazing things. There are some luminaries that I can count as clients. I'm like, wow, look at what Mm. you've been able to do through me, God. And then my daughter and I, I have two girls. And when the conversations we have, Mm. and I was talking to my older daughter who, you know, I raised her since she was 15. And we were just talking and I was just looking at the woman she's become. Mm. And I was making a joke with her because I like to wear my hair like an Afro and she rocks an Afro. I was like, mm, just keep on, keep on copying. That's good. <laughs> but, you know, we impact our kids, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, I didn't, she's, I'm not her biological mother, but her biological mother poured into her and continues to pour into her. But also so did I. And then my daughter, who I am, my younger when we talk and she says, mom, you used to be this way and now mm. you're this way. And I'm so grateful. And, mm. and I love the relationship we have and we're growing mm. every day and I'm proud of you. Mm. And you know, what makes me so happy is that her being able to say to me, I'm proud of your growth. It also gives her permission to say to herself, I'm yes. proud of your growth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the, the rewards, I wouldn't, you know, when my Angela says I'd take nothing for my journey now, mm-hmm. like I feel that in my soul, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so in a, in a long winded way. So much of what you're <laughs> saying, it's just so what, like you have such a wa- wise presence. I feel your presence right. coming through the computer screen and, um, <laughs> It so resonates. I think, you know, there are a couple of things that I just love to highlight and punctuate because you're just sharing so much wisdom, such a wealth of, of knowledge and wisdom. And, you know, you said, we will search for meaning. We will search for significance. Mm-hmm. And we may do that by, you know, trying to buy all the things or have the job titles or have the relationship status and come up feeling empty because we're not truly feeding what our soul needs and connecting to our own internal worthiness, right? That was so powerful. And so I just encourage the listeners, like if you notice that for yourself, if you notice I'm always online sort of mindlessly shopping, I'm always looking for the next thing or, you know, constantly posting on social media for the attention of others, right? What, what are you truly trying to fill? What are you truly trying to nourish? And can you slow down and step back and think about what really needs to be nourished here? Because these external things are not going to do it, aren't doing it. You also talked about self-medicating, right? And there's so many ways we shop, we eat, we drink, we do drugs, right? We, there's so many, we made social media self-medicate, always keep ourselves busy and distracted. We work right? even. Work? Yes. That's a huge, huge one. You're right, right? Overworking, constantly being busy. And, and that it can be a sign that you're not connected to yourself that there is a disconnect. So again, if you're finding yourself doing those things, how can you slow down and notice and check in? And and I think one of the things we have to be really thoughtful about, I love your honesty, Ekne, because we can blame it on everybody else. Well, my boss just makes me work all the time. 
right? Or, you know, social media is just like that. We can paint ourselves as the victim of our circumstance, but really the way we can change is by being empowered and saying, no, I created this. Yes, I was socialized into it. Yes, these circumstances led me to this place where I created this toxicity or created this in my life. And I have the responsibility to start shifting it. So that I think is another, you're modeling that, what that looks like. And then I also just love how you're acknowledging that there is loss and there is grief. And that if you are going to truly become who you are, if you are going to fully bloom, they're going to have to let go of some things. And that process can be painful. And as you're saying, it is so worth it, right? To have the relationship with your daughters that you have, to have the business that you have, to be living in your full expression of yourself is so beautiful and so rich that it's worth the loss. And the the loss of this life would have been more painful than sticking with that other life that you had. Absolutely. It would have been. And in fact, I've met people down the line, you know, because in the work that I do, I get to connect with all generations, right? Intergenerational. Mm. My, (laughs) don't do a lot of work with like Gen Z and younger, but like millennial and up, I do. And I've had the opportunity to talk to women in their 60s. Mm. And sometimes you meet women in in their 60s who still have the courage and energy because, you know, your energy declines as you get older to say, you know what? I'm going for it. And that Mm. always makes me excited. But then you meet women who life, because I tell you life, life's right. Mm. And you go through life and based on whatever you've been through your, your process and the way you show up, you might look different. I'll tell you the the thing about living a life of purpose, purpose protects. Mm. That's why for me, when I walk through, like, you know, there's, and if you haven't picked up by now, uh, dear listeners of uh, Unconditionally Worthy, I'm a closet preacher, so I'm going to drop a Bible <laughs> verse or two, right? <laughs> because, and not for any other reason, but because I literally, I mean, you, I eat the word and it feeds me. Mm-hmm. But you know, there is, um, what it was, and I just lost my train of thought. I was talking about purpose protects. Oh, yes. So, you know, the scripture that says, you know, you'll walk through fire. And the mm. smell of smoke will not be on your clothes. Mm. Mm-hmm. I feel like I want to say that in a Nigerian accent. You will walk <laughs> through fire. Ah. And the smell <laughs> of smoke will not be on your clothes. Mm. When we read that, we always read these things, the scripture, as purely from a supernatural blessing standpoint. Like mm. God is going to do something from the heavens that will allow me to walk through fire. The smell of smoke will not be on our clothes. And we do know that God can and does. Miracles do occur. But what I've also learned is that when you get into what I call divine alignment and you are walking in the ordained path for you and you are walking in purpose, the way you walk through fire, your attitude, the, your perspective, mm. everything changes the way you show up such that people look at you and they're saying, goodness gracious, I heard you went through all of these things, but Mm. I don't see it on you. Mm. You don't Mm. look the way I think Mm. you should look. You're not not burned up. You can go through a storm or you come through a storm. Some people go through life and their wig is askew. Everything (laughs) is upside down. And other people, they come through. Mm. They come through and they're like, yeah, oh, that was a storm. All right. But I mm. use the energy of the storm to take me to this next level. And that's mm. the value of purpose. But you see, sometimes I meet people later on in life and because they haven't been purposeful, they don't quite know their purpose, haven't really had the courage to walk in it. They have just let life lead them and they live a life by default and not by design. They're kind mm. of beat up. Whether it mm-hmm. looks that way or not, and I'm talking about beat up. I've met people who Chanel bag wearing, range mm. over driving, uh, first class flying, and they are emotionally beat up mm. because there is a cost to living an inauthentic life. And by the time I meet them and they think about it, you see the sadness cross their face. Mm. And they think, it's too late. Mm. I don't have the energy to start. Mm. And what would my life have been like? Mm. What if I had let myself be real? What if I had let myself be me? What if Mm. I had let myself be loved? Mm. Because that's often the highest level Mm. cost 
Mm. Everything else, you you can figure it out and put money and all that. But I tell you, when you yourself don't know yourself, don't live your truth, don't live the way God intended to you, the mm. cost of it is that you don't love yourself. And if you don't truly love yourself, how can anyone else love mm. you? Mm-hmm. And they can't even know you. Have you ever considered launching your own podcast but don't know where to start? Is your podcast idea still taking up space in your head and your launch to-do list too long and tedious? You need a gentle push in the right direction, and I highly recommend you consult the team at Chris and Tiana, a podcast launch production company helping entrepreneurs like you and I launch podcasts without the overwhelm. That way, you can focus on what you do best, talking, connecting, and sharing your special message with the world. Chris and Tiana allow me to relax and focus on creating meaningful content that I'm proud of while connecting with all of you. They keep me organized and on track so I can spend less time on tedious tasks and more time in my zone of genius. Chris and Tiana's team will help you declutter your priorities, identify your most important podcast goals, create a plan for execution, and lead you to success. They'll provide you with the structure and accountability you need to thrive, which means you can use your newfound time to focus on growing your business, making a bigger impact, and more money doing what you love. Whether you're a coach, entrepreneur, or lifestyle brand, Chris and Tiana will help you take your podcast to the next level. Book a podcast launch strategy call today and start turning your podcast dreams into reality. Go to www.chrisandtiana.com forward slash launch strategy for 25% off a launch strategy session. You can also find the link in the show notes. My hope for people is that they know that it's never too late. You know, even, you know, if you're still breathing, if you're still living... In the next moment, you could always choose something different. That's right. And it's a lot of the times the practices that I'm offering to people in my group coaching programs and on the podcast are, you know, first self-forgiveness. Because if you come yes. to a place where you say, what have I been doing for the last five years, 10 years, 20, 30, 40 years, there's going to need to be some forgiveness. You're going to need to release that. You're going to need to acknowledge Yes, you know, I wasn't living my authentic self and I'm not going to beat myself. I'm not going to spend 10 more years beating myself up over it. I'm going to forgive myself, understand where I was coming from, from a pained place, and I'm going to move forward. So that's one. And two, it's sort of like, how can you engage in your values such that, okay, well, what do I want to do today? What do I want today to look like? And I so agree with this piece of letting people love you because so often if we don't truly feel worthy and we don't love ourselves, we're either, we're hiding so people can't really see us. And then the person they love, we think, well, they don't really know me. They don't love me. And sometimes we literally block the love. We don't allow ourselves to receive. We don't allow ourselves to let it in because it feels too vulnerable. We feel unworthy. And so that needs to be a practice because we so often long for love, but we don't allow it in. Yes, 100%. You know, and that's the work for me with Iconic Womanhood, a large chunk of what we're doing, right? Mm. Is helping women come to an awareness of the fullness of what womanhood looks like. Mm. But then the iconic part is their own unique Mm. way of being a woman, right? And and the reason why, first of all, the iconic womanhood wasn't necessarily a branding choice. It wasn't like we were doing um, a branding exercise and picked it up. It was a divine download. Hmm. And in fact, when I first got it, I was like, uh, Holy Spirit, please, can we <laughs> check for a second? <laughs> Who should carry this brand, iconic womanhood? C'est moi? <laughs> because it's a big word to say mm-hmm. iconic, but I've come to understand what the word means in a deeper way. In fact, we mm-hmm. have I use an acronym that we've trade we're trademarking. It's in the trademark oh. process already, right? And it's being a woman who is inspirational, who's courageous, mm-hmm. who's original, who's necessary, who's intentional, and who's compelling. Mm-hmm. And all of these things are all of us, right? And I believe the word iconic really for for the reason why God wanted us to use that word, if I may use that term, is because he wants us to be called higher mm. to the fullest, 
highest expression of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And the connection between that and love, right? And, and being fully expressed in your femininity is this. So often we build a life around our mediocre expression of ourselves. Mm. So we choose people who see, who can only love the lower version of ourselves, mm. whether it be friends, whether it be an organization that mm. doesn't ever give you the opportunity to do mm-hmm. more projects. And you've been waiting for a promotion for years. They're not giving you a promotion because they don't see mm-hmm. you in your iconicness. They can only see you at your lowest version. Mm. Whether you choose, uh, you're in a relationship, right? Mm-hmm. Especially if you're saying, if you're in a relationship where you're not married, come on, sis, let me talk to you for a second. Make sure. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure because when you're married, it's a bit more complicated. But if you are in that season where you're still getting to, you know, pay attention because women have been socialized to be chosen and not to choose. Yes. So yes. let's wake up for a minute. I want you to ask yourself in my highest version mm. of myself, would this still work? Mm. Is this person seeing me that way? Mm. Are they treating me that way? Or are you constantly begging for the bare minimum? Mm. Are you constantly accepting the basic? And are you accepting that from yourself as well? Because the call to iconic womanhood the work that I do with my clients is saying, nah, listen, we have to rise. Mm. And even for me on the basic level, like for example, getting up, like I used to hate making my bed. Like literally I was, I never did. Even, even as an adult, mm. I did not like making my bed. It was a whole thing. When I started the brand Iconic Woman, even as a coach, when I started coaching initially, I would confess, let me confess to all of y'all here. Very often I would coach my bed would be totally unmade. Now this is not to judge anyone who doesn't make their bed. I'm just telling you my story now. Now here's the thing. Even when I look at my bed in my bedroom today, I, I, I ask myself when I get up, is this an iconic woman's <laughs> bedroom? Mm. Get your act together and make <laughs> that bed. Fluff mm. those pillows and make it happen. I talk to myself. I use it as a call to myself mm. to be higher. Now, mm. I don't purport to be perfect. I don't purport to be iconic as far as anyone else is, but it's a way to tell me I am holding myself to higher standards. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to that next level in my business. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to that next level in my revenue stream. I'm going to go to that next level in the level of impacts that I have and influence. I'm going to go to that next level in how I treat myself. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm going to be cheap with myself. Yes. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to eat good food, good high quality food, because I deserve that. I, I need that. Mm-hmm. I might even fly, fly uh, you know, first class when I can. Why yes. not? Yes. Yes. Well, I, you know, I love that. I love that one that you're saying it's a calling up, right? Versus a beating down because too often we use quote unquote high expectations to be our, I can't believe you didn't make the bed today. Who are you? You're just so messy. And if you talk to yourself that way, you are not going to step into your power as you move into the day. But if you say, come on, you deserve better. You deserve a bed that's made. You deserve a bedroom that feels good and looks good. Let's pull that together. That helps you to step into your power. And I'm going to ask you to talk about like feminine power in just a second. But I also want to just highlight what you said about relationships, because so often we are in relationships with people who do not want us to be our greatest self. And you notice it in little ways. You have an accomplishment. And they say, eh, you know, I've done something greater. That's okay, but I've done something better. One of the ways that I knew my husband was for me when we first started dating is about three weeks after we started dating, I had a TEDx talk. I was going to give my TEDx talk. And he responded to that by saying, wow, he found, he got his ticket, even though it was sold out. He took the day off work. He almost never takes the day off work. He drove me there. And then he went, he bought me flowers. He took me to a celebratory dinner and he gets excited. Every time I have an accomplishment, he's excited for me. I'm looking for my pom-poms like, (laughs) right. And so that was so different than other people I had dated who, you know, were kind of like, whatever. Right. And made me feel like I should stay small to stay with them. 
Yes. And it's so important for people to one, see, wow, this, this person's going to be great. I want to be there from the beginning and I want to support her in that. And I'm so excited and I'm encouraging you. Not enough of us have that. And so I, let's take your advice, right? Let's take your advice. And if somebody is not seeing your greatness and encouraging your greatness, if you're feeling like you got to shrink even just a little bit to be with someone, let's reconsider. That's, That's not, right. it's going to, it's going to constrain you in the long hmm. run. Hmm. As we say in Nigeria, shine your eye, shine your eye. Like really mm. so important because I say this to women. I, I was married for about 18 years and, and I have now gone through a divorce and I say to, and I can say now from this vantage point, First of all, what I can say about marriage, even though my I ended my marriage, there were some uh, incredible things that came along with marriage. Mm. And I still believe in marriage. I think it's mm. an incredible opportunity when you have the right partner. It is a beautiful thing and one that if you desire it, keep desiring it. But it can also be a tremendously damaging thing, particularly mm. for women, because we tend to orient our lives and the way the we the patriarchal systems we live in, women tend to have to orient their lives around mm-hmm. their men, right? And so you really want to make sure you're choosing a partner that you can be in your feminine with. So mm-hmm. this is a good segue, sort of into feminine, yeah. right? Um, because if not. And, and that's where those standards early on are important, but it's hard to set standards when you don't know yourself and you don't value yourself. You don't know your worth because mm-hmm. only that standards come from that place. Right. Yes. And, you know, if you don't think you're worthy of it, you're just grateful. Like someone loves me as I am. Let me just take whatever, whoever comes yes. my way. But when you know, right then you can take a pause and ask because you always, you even know when this is, you see the red flags, but Mm -hmm. because you've been conditioned to believe maybe, maybe I, you know, I'm going to have red flags. So if it's only two, let me thank God. There's only two, Hmm. you know, some people have five, right? So you you kind of find a way to, we really do rationalize these Mm -hmm. things in our heads. And let me just break it down to you. Majority of marriage, majority of divorces are are initiated by women. We mm. know this, especially around what the season that I call. Well, I don't just call it that. The wild woman season. So I teach on mm. the seasons of womanhood. You know, there's the girl. There's there's the maiden season, the mother season. A lot of times, people get consumed in motherhood, and so even when things aren't working. You're a mother. You don't have time mm. to think about anything else. Mm. But then the wild woman season, which usually you start to enter into your empty nesting season just a little bit, or the kids don't need you as much. Huh? That's when you start to see a lot of divorces being initiated mm. because that's also when women start to come into a place of self-actualization. And they're like, wait a minute, this does not, I can't accept this anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you start to see breaks at that time. Now, the other thing that, let me give you some other statistics. Divorce can be very costly. Mm. For both people think it's just men that pay the cost. Actually, that's not true. Majority, a lot of women pay a tremendous mm. amount of money, emotional pain, mm. and more in divorce. These days, mm. it's more and more common for women to pay for child support. More and more common for women to pay palimony. Let me talk mm. to y'all about your money, honey. So <laughs> it's more and more common. And even if you don't pay for any of these things, just your lawyer's fees, Whoa. And the cost mm. of a divorce emotionally, because some people just feel like, eh, if it doesn't work, I'll get a divorce. I still maintain this, even though I have come through. In fact, I'm doing a series on my email list about things people can do to reclaim their womanhood after an experience like this. Mm. But I used to say this before I experienced this, and I still believe that there's truth to this statement is that, you know, when you marry somebody, it's like two pieces of paper that come together that are glued together. And when you uh, pull apart, which is what a divorce will do, right? Sometimes when you imagine two pieces of paper, mm-hmm. depending on how you pull it apart, you might be left with gaping holes in each mm-hmm. one. Nobody will be mm-hmm. home. So it's an important thing. And even for me during my process, the Holy Spirit had given me certain awarenesses and certain things to do and certain ways to go about it. And and the thing he had told me is like, you need to see your family, your new family as a delicate Mm. gold 
filigree necklace. You can't mm. just, that is tangled up. You have to take your time mm. and untangle it because all of you are precious to me. Every single one of you, your children are precious to me. You are precious to me. Your ex-husband is precious mm-hmm. to me. And so you're going to take your time and figure out how to do this in the most gentle, generous way you can. Yes. Don't listen to just anybody talking to you from a place of bitterness. You take your yes. time. And so for us, that was part of the process. It didn't look like wisdom to some people. It didn't look like, you know, like you should fight for this. I'm like, let me tell mm. you all of those things you're talking about. Those things mean, are meaningless to me. Mm. What matters is the state of our hearts. Yes. And, 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 you know, that takes even the self-worth journey. Yes. Because you're not coming from a place of angry anger. I, yes. I own certain things and I'm like, okay. And also it comes from a feminine place because the feminine is nurturing. Mm. And I gave myself permission to be feminine, even in a challenging mm. experience, mm. to mm. look and to come from that place. Yeah. You know, and, you know, not mothering, but nurturing. Yeah. Right? So it's, it's an, being in your feminine for me, is such an incredible opportunity mm. for women. And I teach on femininity in a particular way. I know that there's a lot of, some lady told me I hate feminine, uh, femininity mm. coaches. I can't stand them. <laughs> I, said, <laughs> I said, I feel you, mm. but I'm not that kind of femininity coach. In fact, uh, people call me that, but I am a womanhood coach, which is mm. a little bit different, mm-hmm. right? Femininity is part of womanhood. It's womanhood is not inside of femininity. Femininity is inside of mm, womanhood. Mm-hmm. Womanhood is more, you know, encompasses more and it's more of an empowerment, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm not here to tell you how to perform because there's something I call performative femininity. Well, and perform to get a yes. man. Often, right? Performative femininity of, oh, Mm -hmm. we're going to, like, I love the elegant videos, but I was saying to someone, like, I am a woman, which means that sometimes I am an elegant, you know, frilly girl, but sometimes Mm -hmm. I'm not. Okay. (laughs) Y'all going to love it. Y'all going to love it. Right? And and I'm embracing all parts of me. Like, Mm. I am that woman who... Yes, I'd like to, I can talk about the finer things in life, but I can talk as well. All yes. right. Yes. <laughs> and I think that's the beauty of mm-hmm. womanhood and the expansiveness of it, that sometimes the way we're teaching about femininity that actually, to your point, centers men mm-hmm. is actually a disempowered version yes. of it. Right. So perform and be this way. And of course, even the conversation around the soft life, who wants to suffer? I don't want to suffer. But for me, I am not looking for a life where I'm ornamental. Mm. No matter how wonderful my partner is and how wealthy mm. he is, I am not looking to become an ornament in my life. Mm. I'm not looking to be put on a mantle and admired for my beauty and my mm. feminine affectations all day long. I'm not looking for a life that I spend all my time grooming myself like a cat. No shade to those <laughs> of you that do. I'm talking about me. Okay. I'm just mm-hmm. talking about me. I'm not looking for that. I believe that I have a call upon my life. Mm-hmm. Now, I would like support. That's part of being receptive. Yeah. I would love it for someone. I was saying to someone the other day, like, let me tell you, submission is not a dirty word. Uh, if you have, it's the challenge is that people talk about submission, but they don't talk about masculine leadership. A lot of people that are talking about submission are not talking about leadership. You need to be talking mm-hmm. stop talking about whether women should submit and talk about how men need to learn how to lead. Now, when you do that, the other part, because it works together, because we submit all the time. Men and women are meant to submit mm-hmm. actually to each other. And we submit all the time in life. Mm-hmm. You submit to, I, I was listening to um, a preacher friend of mine and he was saying how, listen, that he sees women submitting all the time. When you go to the salon, and this is in Nigeria, he will see a woman sit down, no matter how, she might be a CEO, but the braider will say to her, sit down here, turn your head this way so I can mm-hmm. braid your head this way. And she turns. She doesn't argue. She doesn't mm-hmm. say, she submits to the braider's authority because the promise of something better is there, mm-hmm. right? And so when I think about what our connection is, and I know submission mm-hmm. may, some of you may run up like turned it off already. Come back, please. Right. Because submission, we are meant to submit to each other. It's a two 
And it's this dance of the masculine and the feminine. Mm-hmm. And feminine power is being able to, and we have both, by the way, but fe- when I discuss about feminine power, what I mean is women, there are women who lead more with their feminine and is mm-hmm. undergirded by the masculine. And then uh, there are men who lead more with their masculine and there's it's undergirded by the feminine. Mm-hmm. The quote unquote feminine traits, right? So some of the feminine traits are I mentioned nurturing, receptivity, creativity, intuition. The mm-hmm. feminine, when you lead with feminine, you're a woman who's more like water, flow, mm-hmm. right? You flow. And when you lead with masculine, right? And the, and the theories that more men lead with masculine, you're more like a boulder. Your power is more mm-hmm. solid, mm-hmm. You know, stable, structured, right? And so you can see the difference between the two, but you know, both of them have a different type of power. And so being able to recognize, well, these are my, this is my opportunity. That's the way I look at it. I'm a woman mm-hmm. and I'm a woman who leads with my feminine. So, wow, look at my opportunity. I'm not trying to do it like a man because that's actually not my highest level, mm-hmm. like trying to hardcore. Like mm-hmm. I, like I will never get into a relationship where I have to keep putting down my foot. You know, they say, put your foot down. And I'm like, I don't want to break my foot. I'm gentle. I don't want that. <laughs> so if I have to put my foot down with you, then I can't be with you because that means I can't be in my feminine. I have to now move into my masculine. It doesn't work for me. What works for me is a life where I can be more in my feminine most of the time. I can be creative. I can be too intuitive. intuitive. I can be receptive. I can be more in my flow. Right. Mm-hmm. I get to be that way when I, and so I build a business that works for me in that way. I get the kind of support that allows me to be that way. I have relationships that allow me to be that way because I'm my best in that way. I still have structure, of course. I still have some masculine qualities that we need, but we need to be able to recognize that these, it's, it's an opportunity. It's not, and you know, like something you said earlier, it's a calling up, not a, a, Tearing down, down. beating Mm -hmm. down, like you said. Because now the femininity messaging is being used to beat down women, especially Mm -hmm. black women. Mm -hmm. You're too masculine. But the reality is, Mm -hmm. if you think about it, the the words I've said, I get to be in my feminine. It's an Mm -hmm. opportunity. Mm -hmm. But many of us haven't had the opportunity. I built a business that has given me the opportunity because it's successful. I have uh, financial support for my business, right? I'm able to do certain things. So I get to be my feminine. But a lot of women are the providers and they have Mm -hmm. to hustle and go out there and and you know, like if I'm working two jobs and and I'm and mm-hmm. I and I don't have anyone to protect me, I'm the protector. And mm-hmm. I, I every day I'm going to bed worried about you know how to take care of my children. I'm stressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're going to be your masculine, mm-hmm. and don't let anyone beat you up for it because mm-hmm. you're doing what you need to do to survive. Yeah. The awareness though is to say, okay, this is how my life is today, but how can I begin to reorient it? Right. And those are some of the things that I help women do in the womanhood work. How can I begin to reorient it so that I can have the opportunity to show up as my best as a woman? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. Thank you for breaking all of that down. It's really, I think, powerful. (laughs) And I think it's going to, you know, just like spark some thoughts for people, right? Is how do you think about connecting to your masculine side, your feminine side? How do you step into power? Because so often the way we think about power is just masculine, right? Yeah. And it's like, if you're going to be powerful in this world, you need to put on armor, you need to be hard, you need to be aggressive, right? Like that's our conception of power. And I love that you focus on helping women to in, in claim the power in their femininity and their womanhood, right? That there is power that can feel soft and nurturing, right? Even when you're talking about your divorce, right? There's a way of claiming your power. If you're saying, I'm going to stay true to who I am and to how I am and how I want to be in this world, even in this divorce, okay. I'm not going to fall prey to this idea that I've got to be aggressive and I've got to be mean and I've got to be cutthroat and I've got to take what I need and, and run. And I don't care who's, you know, who's hurt by this, right? But I'm going to be powerful in who I am, even in this painful and difficult process, which is a divorce. I'm going to honor who I am and I'm going to honor the relationship we had. I think not enough people feel that that is possible. And so it's, it's amazing that you're modeling that. But I, I 
would love for people to think about, yeah, when do I, when am I in my masculine and when am I in my feminine? And when does either feel good? Because there are going to be some times when women feel good and empowered in a more masculine way of being and feel good and empowered in a more feminine way of being. And same for men and people who are non-binary and all of those things, right? So Having, helping people, I think, to just ask the question and explore. And I okay. love that you're saying also part of your iconic womanhood is people then also figuring out what works for them, right? right? That there are some of these generalities, but at the end of the day, you have to tune okay. into who are you and what works for you. And when you're grounded in your self-worth, when you're grounded in self-love, it's so much easier to figure out where, how do I want to show up authentically in the world? And I think the last thing I wanted to just touch on, which you made me think about was so often people think that this work of self-love and self-worth or even claiming your womanhood or believing you're an icon, right, of some sort is selfish. But what mm-hmm. you're communicating over and over again is that it's actually part of a higher calling and that That's when right. we can own our power, when we can own our worthiness, we can own our iconicness that's actually when we can show up and serve the world the best. That's when we can bring forth our gifts. That's when, and authentically, not in a way that wears us down and runs us into the ground, but in a way that's generative, right? And generates energy for us, right? Generates abundance for us and also pours it out into the world. That's right. That's right. Here, here. Well, this has been such an amazing conversation. I just, you know, I feel like you have poured out a wealth of wisdom and um, I see why you say that people feel like their souls are touched when they hear you because I feel that. And so I know that you're just, you know, powerfully impacting so many women. And I am imagining that there's a lot of people listening who are thinking, how can I you know, follow and connect. Even you're talking, I'm like, I want to get on this email list, you know? (laughs) And I I know people are going to want to connect with you and know about, you know, how you serve people because it's clear that it's very healing and empowering. So let people know, how can they follow you? How can they connect with you further? Yeah. I think one of, if you're on social, I'm most active on Instagram. And so if you follow me at iconic womanhood underscore coach, that's my okay. personal page, right? So at Iconic Womanhood underscore coach. Um, and I usually tell people what's going on. Like, so we have a couple of things happening, programs that are available. I don't know when this podcast is going up, but um, we have a couple of programs. We In November, we have our annual Womanhood Weekend. We call it the Iconic Woman Weekend. And if you have enjoyed some of the conversations that we've had and you want to kind of deep dive into that, we're going to be in Jamaica in November. Ooh. For four days. Yaman. Yaman. Perfect. <laughs> uh, yes. Okay. And it's going to be, we've chosen an all inclusive resort. You're going mm. to have incredible women from all around. And I take you through a very unique experience. It's not a conference where there's a lot of speaking. There are workshops where you'll do some elevation work, but it is really mostly about embody embodiment. Mm. So you have a lot of experiences where the knowledge gets kind of grounded and into your body, so to speak. And it's just, uh, mm. this is our eighth annual one. Oh, wow. We just love doing it. Yes. And we're intentionally fairly intimate. So we're getting close to our numbers. Okay. But um, yeah, we're intentionally, we, it's not going to be hundreds of women. So you won't feel lost in it. Right. It's perfect for that woman who is working really hard and just saying to herself, you know, I need something. So it's called Iconic Woman Weekend. All you need to do is go to iconicwomanweekend.com. You can learn more about that. Like I said, following me on Instagram is the key. And then we do have a tool. So typically when women are listening to this, like, well, where do I start? If you've mm-hmm. never started and, you know, you just want something, I do have a free uh, tool. It's a journaling tool and that uh, we will be happy to provide uh, to Great. your listeners and, and they can download the tool and, and that will actually get you on our list as well. Perfect. And so you can go through that process. Yes. Wonderful. So um, thank you so much for this opportunity. Yeah, well, we'll link all of those things, your Instagram, um, 
about the, the Iconic Women Weekend and the tool in the show notes. So if you're listening, check the show notes for wherever you're listening and you can sign up and look into all this information. And thank you so much for sharing your presence and your wisdom with us. This has been really wonderful. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thanks for joining me this week on the Unconditionally Worthy podcast. Make sure to visit my website, dradiagoodin.com and subscribe to the show on iTunes so you'll never miss an episode. You can also follow me on social media at Dr. Adia Gooden. If you love the show, please leave a review on iTunes so we can continue to bring you amazing episodes. Lastly, if you found this episode helpful and know someone who might benefit from hearing it, please share it. Thanks for listening and see you next episode. This episode was produced by Chris and Tiana and the music is by Wadaboy.